Guys. I hear you, Gam. You hear me? Yeah, buddy. Okay, I got you. Fid comes on. All right, I can hear you now. Fid, can I you hear, hear me? Fid. All right. I hear Adam. Oh, good. We actually got this done. We didn't have yeah, to do plan good. B. Hey, well, yeah. Now the issue is, though, I have it, and I'm not the one that has the podcast. Well, let's figure that out later. First, let's let's get this rolling. Welcome, everyone, to the first ever episode of the top 10 list from the South Carolina Low Country. We are recording on February 4th during the State of the Union. In case you're wondering the match when we are, you are. But you will listen to this on your drive to work on February 5th. I'm joined by Mathis. Hello. And Adam. Hello. There's also a good chance you listen to this eight months from now when you find this podcast. <laughs> well, our family, our family and friends will obviously be on it tomorrow, first thing, or else I'm taking them out of the will. Naturally, <laughs> naturally. And I'm your host, Shane. The format of this show is three guys, me, your host, Shane, Adam, and Mathis. We have two topics we're going to discuss today. One is most valuable college football players since the BCS era, 1998 till now, and <coughs> Top human innovations in history. Adam and Mathis have each compiled top 10 lists for these subjects. They have not seen each other's. I have. And I have also added some notable omissions. We will debate these lists and talk about these notable omissions throughout the show. There will be, I'm sure, a lot of comedy between these two because they have a combined IQ of 7,000. Um, 7,012, thank you. Get it straight. I have no idea how high IQs go, so I'm just impressed you even have a number to reach for. <laughs> I read it on a cereal box. So, <laughs> current update in Iowa, no one has a clue what's going on. That's been fun to follow all day. Yeah, because you know, we want to make sure we use that system that was cool, you know, when George Washington was around, because we don't want innovation. Make sure you're staring on the square that ensures <laughs> that your candidate gets voted for. Imagine Remember, if you're not going to the local gym. Male, if you're not a landowning male, we really don't care what you think. God anyway, no, or especially in Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> and you better have corn to show gym. up, or else your vote doesn't count. And being like, "I'm here to vote for Joe Biden." Okay, go over there with that one other person. That, the yeah, pictures who's... were great. <laughs> there the one in... man in the Elizabeth Warren shirt staring at the wall. <laughs> All Joe Biden bu- voters. How many buggies are tied up right now? Well, after we after we talk about our first top ten list, we'll go back and we'll do an Iowa update. I got Twitter readily available. Maybe uh, by then, Mayor Pete will have one. We'll we'll see. Oh, so first list that we're going to look at today is an easy one. We're all football guys. We like sports, um, and it's an every man thing. So we're going to talk about most valuable, not best, most valuable college football players from. The onset of the BCS era, which was 1998 until the present time. So it includes BCS and college football <coughs> playoff era. So I got these two guys' lists. I looked at them both. was very impressed. They only had two that overlapped. Wow. And That's impressive. And I bet I know exactly who the two are, too. <laughs> Me, too. Yeah, after you hear them, you're going you're gonna to be impressed that you guys did that. Um, and then I went ahead and – didn't make my own list, but I'd started thinking and Googling who were some other valuable college football players. Well, here are some notable omissions from their top 10 list. One is Larry Fitzgerald at Pitt. 
Whoa. Yeah. Think about him. Think about what he did for that program as a wide receiver. You know, those were some stink pit teams. I think what was the guy's name? Tyler Palco or whatever his name was. Tyler Palco, West Alabama Ooh. High School. Yeah. Oh, he was bad. And yes, he had Larry Fitzgerald and he willed them to a bowl game. <laughs> hey, realistically, better team or better uniform? Because that's when they went with that cool, like, you know, really deep navy like, with that sweet gold with helmet. the gold. And they yeah. had the, the Panther that like came out of the sun. Yes. Just rose above. All right. I'm a big fan of the banana pit helmets. And I stand <laughs> by that. Next notable omission, Ladanian Tomlinson, TCU. I don't vote for people who are under four feet tall. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> no, no hobbits. That's my policy. <laughs> exactly. And also, if your mascot's the Horned Frogs, aren't you supposed to be in Division Two? I mean, seriously. Like, um, playing the Pittsburgh State Gorillas. I'll never vote for anyone who played for Dennis Francione, which is why Tyler Watts from Alabama missed the list big time. <laughs> Next one, Andrew Luck, Stanford. Ooh. Oh, I don't know if I like that one. I'm going to tell you, man, and, Andrew Luck, but, well, because he looks like he's got Down syndrome, which is part of the problem. I mean, the, yeah, dude, I mean, I mean, dude, seriously, like he, I mean, and you can't have that voice and sound like, you know, the cookie monster and be able to get away with it. I just couldn't go, even though I'm sure he's a genius and a great football player, but he's also a quitter. You know, so my, I, I think he more looks like a pre-Cro-Magnon man, you know, like the earliest man. Like, he's just figuring out how to use his thumb, and he's figuring out how to use his hands and make tools. That's what he looks like to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to steal this from the Levitard show. You know, he's got to say Jack Doyle no lo- no less than 15 times in any press conference. Easily. It's like required. How about this one? <laughs> Bryant McKinney, the U. Dude, I'm going to tell you, believe it or not, that was for you. One, of my, one of my picks, I went back and forth between – it was the O line, and I had to pick one of the two. And I, Brian McKinney, I went back and forth, and then honestly, I thought the one I picked had more influence on the overall idea. But Brian McKinney was a mountain of a man, and he absolutely made those Miami teams go. You know, if you ever read Chain Mutiny by Bruce Feldman, you find out like the story always goes he didn't play in high school. Dude didn't play till junior college. Wow! Like they just found him in the hallways. <laughs> I know that feeling. Just find them and yeah. put them out there. How about Calvin Johnson? Yellow you know what? I went with that. Went back and forth on that one, too. But, I mean, the hard part about Calvin Johnson is it's kind of like Larry Fitzgerald thing of, you know, he's valuable to the team, but the team didn't do a whole lot. So, yeah. I mean, where, where do you go with that? Fair. Matt and McGlo- that's tough. How about Matt McGloin, Penn State, led him through the, the um, scandal era. Who didn't see this coming from the guy from North Pennsylvania? God, I, I thought about putting just, you know, Trace McSorley on there just to hear, you know, pop wood on the other side of this thing. Go buy a snowsuit, you Yankee. All right, two more, two more. RG3? Yeah, yeah he, he willed Baylor's – man, I'm actually sad I didn't put that one on my list because he willed Baylor's program to another level. No doubt. Plus that sweet bowl game where they scored like 9,000 points. Oh, the Washington oh, one. It was, was so awesome. good. I'm going to go watch that later. <laughs> Maybe we'll do an episode where we just break that game down. We just watch watch that game the whole time. I'd love to. Right. (laughs) This one's from this year. Lynn Bowden. The silence says everything. (laughs) (laughs) The silence says everything. The wide receiver from Kentucky, they put a quarterback and he torched everybody. Just because your significant other is from a state (laughs) that specializes in horses and meth doesn't mean that the two of us (laughs) had to be subjected to this. Right. Did your wife beat you into that answer? Like, that <laughs> she like, was, 
she was literally like menacingly staring at him through a window, like doing something outside, like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear when he was writing this list, and he just had to put that one at number <laughs> one. If you need me to call the police, give me your safe word. Pineapple. Just say pineapple. All right, let's get into the list. Let's get into the list. All right, the number 10s, Adam had Gamecock Great, Marcus Lattimore, and Burnett had the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Ooh. I'll let you go first, Adam. Oh, well, one, I can't wait to hear your rebuttal because you're going to destroy this. But here was my thing with Lattimore. All right. And I am a homer, so I will admit that going into this. The program was traditionally so bad, and it didn't have a great run when he was there. I mean, it was good. It's great for the program. But he was so impactful and important to those teams, especially that 2010 team that got to the SEC title game for the first time. They literally could not win a game if he was not in the game. The the Kentucky game, the Florida State game, he gets hurt, and Spurrier's like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll just see how many times I can throw it today. Like, <laughs> and so because of that, I was like, that dude right there temporarily changed the program, was incredibly impactful. You don't see a lot of guys like that do that, especially at running back, especially in the modern era. So that was why Culturally I think it's also well homerism. Well, I'm going to go against that just because of the fact, and I love Marcus Lattimore, great football player, no doubt about it. But, I mean, I would contend that Connor Shaw was far more impactful of those teams. Like, I mean, I'd make the argument he is a the best quarterback to play at South Carolina. No, that's um, I, no argument there, and he's an eraser, and that would be, you know, that's yeah, what you he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel like, you know, and also he has my haircut, which I really appreciate, and uh, my wife would definitely leave me for him. So no doubt. my rebuttal. Um I picked Tyron Matthew because of his cultural impact. I think the idea is if you look at it, who the hell knew what a honey badger was until he started playing. Um, and also he was a, a positionless player. They have him labeled as a safety, but honestly, he had 59 tackles in 2010 and 77 in 2011. He's paid um, play for that Clemson guy now, Simmons. Yeah, he did. The hybrid, the slash. Exactly. And you think about the idea of, you know, he, he brought something that we, he's somebody that my mother would know who he was. You know, that's the cultural impact. Also, if LSU had just not vetoed playing offense at all that season, they're <laughs> national champions. Um, you know, Trent Richardson was tearing the SEC a new butthole and they managed to beat them in one, that one game before, you know, the genius idea of let's put them together again so you know let's never score and excite yeah. nine to six and then 21 to nothing yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah so i mean that's why i went there i feel like he made that defense go in fact name another player on those i i can actually i can name uh eric reed and morris, morris Claiborne, yep. kevin minter sam montgomery <laughs> barkevius mingo michael brockers i mean you watch insanely too much quality defense, insanely high quality defense. Right? How much SEC network do you watch in your underwear on your table with your hand out? Well, one, I am in my underwear, but two, I have Wikipedia in front of me right now. So. How, about, how about our number nines? Peter Warwick for Adam and Christian Wilkins for Mathis. Wow. I'll, I get to go first here. <laughs> Christian Wilkins. And again, when I looked at this, guys, I thought about impact to the team, but also impact to the game. We think about the idea of who the hell knew who defensive linemen were and the lay people before we had the Power Rangers squad at Clemson. I mean, with that with that team in 2018. So you're talking about, you know, unanimous All-American two years in a row, um, you know, two-nine national champion, even made some, you know, appearances on offense. 
realistically, he became a fan favorite. Still is this day, even though he was not the best the best physical player on that team. Um, and it's a little bit of a homer pick because everybody knows if I had to pick one of the two, I'd pick Clemson. Um, but I I feel like he made that team go from a heart perspective, and it makes me throw up my mouth to say that. But that's really where I where I come from with that one. Although Peter Warwick's a great answer, man. I'll tell you, I really okay. So I I totally get that pick, and I picked a different player on those Clemson teams in terms of impact. But if you look at like '99 Florida State, all right, who does anyone rem- like Chris Winkie aside? Who the hell was on '99 Florida State? True. Very like, very. Can I don't anyone, have don't get me wrong, Florida State in the late 90s, all throughout the 90s, was Florida State. But that dude was another level game changer, eraser. When everything's going bad, he's going to win the game for you. And just the impact he had on that late 90s Florida State run, I don't think there's anyone more impactful to the 99 Seminoles than Peter Warren. And he got suspended for a couple of games. Yeah, he also, impacts the career of somebody later on this list. So yeah. Also, a punt, that also as a punt returner. I think you look at his Agreed. idea, his ability in the return game is yes. – that's a very solid pick at nine. No question. Well, how about yeah. eight? We got Deshaun Watson for Adam and Joe Thomas for Mathis. Ooh, Joe Thomas. I'm, I'm envious I picked no offensive lineman. I'm a sir. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll go ahead and tell you why I picked him over Brian McKinney. I feel like when you look at it, first of all, did y'all know he got hurt playing defensive end for a game? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, when they ran out of people in Barry Alvarez's last season, he was playing DN to help the team, which is just so offensive line of him. Um, you know, it's also so vest coach of him. Yes, it is. Like it's like get in there with your great son, go show him how the game is played. Yeah, Barry Alvarez best known for the ability to fire a coach and then get that coach's bowl supplement. Like that's yeah. basically what he was he's like, you gotta go, but I'm gonna take this cash. Yeah. Also, and you can look at Aaron Gibson and those guys who were on the who were at Wisconsin before as O lineman, but Joe Thomas takes that that Wisconsin lineman to the next level, and he becomes the face of Wisconsin offensive line, which becomes what offensive line is in the NFL now. Like that's what you're looking for is a Joe Thomas, as evidenced by the fact of he's going to be a Hall of Famer as soon as they can, you know, get the ballot out. So he also his running back had 1,500 yards his senior season. Um, you know, he led the way. He was the key to them, and and I had to give some O-line love. I picked him over McKinney because I felt like there were a lot of good dudes on Miami, but Joe Thomas was really what it was about at Wisconsin those years. You know, what's so interesting about our list is that you have leaned towards, like, who was impactful long-term and beyond that season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. And my list has been, like, who was impactful in that moment that they were there? Yeah, And so I don't think – but, I mean, Deshaun Watson definitely has long-lasting impact. I don't think there's anyone who could argue that he's not the thing that changed their program from a good to average program to the top two in America. Absolutely. And he got better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I remember when he got hurt. He was hurt his junior year or whatever the year before he went to the NFL. He got hurt, and it was like, oh, well, we'll see. And then the next year, now they're national champions. I mean – he, he was what changed Clemson football. I, I, you can't deny that. And you'll be able to trace back their dominance to his arrival on campus. And, I mean, also, and a credit to them, they knew he would be that guy for them and started recruiting him in the ninth grade from Gainesville, Georgia. I mean, that was the project. We will build our program around this dude and guys like him, and this will take us to the next step. And credit to those guys because they 
saw their guy, they developed him, they put the guys around him, and they let him be him. And that's why that team is great and still is. and probably That's why they are elite. How about our number sevens? (laughs) Mathis had Ed Reed, and Adam had Damakong Sue. Wow. These are these are divisive. Go to go 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 with you, man. I'll I'll listen. I'll listen to the reasoning. All right. If you look back on that last Sioux Nebraska season, the one where they played Texas, right for the Big Twelve championship. Yep. They got screwed by the clock. They got killed by the clock. No one was more impactful to the future of his team, to the standing of their team, than Sue that season. Yeah. Who was even the quarterback? Uh, I assume it was Taylor Martinez for the 14th year. <laughs> <laughs> like, no – or Rex Burkhead was taking direct snaps. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just naming the eight, the two offensive players I know. Well, no not- one was as dominant in mm-hmm. shutting down a very good Texas team in a way that he did. And it wasn't just one game. He did it all year long. He was the dominant force for Nebraska. And we know this, a dominant dude on D-line – can change how you play everything else on defense. You can be a little bit more conservative on the, on the back end. You can say, hey, we can drop more dudes into coverage because we know we can shut it down up front with these guys. Yeah, no question. And I'll say this, and Sue made playing play D-tackle cool. You know, I think I don't, yeah. think, I think, I don't think kids were going to play D-tackle until this dude from this crazy light-skinned dude out of Nebraska starts just manhandling people. And, I mean, and that's I, I would agree with that. Um, I picked Ed Reed. Because I wanted defensive players, I think they get not enough love. But honestly, I am one of the few non-Miami brainwash people of that 2001 team. Yes, you because, are. Because they don't tell me who they played in the big freaking East. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you have a real tough game against those crappy Syracuse teams? Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, and the reality is that you go back and watch the documentaries on that season where he's banged up and he goes out there and they ask him if he's okay and he screams out, "Hell no, I'm not okay, but I'm gonna go out here and play anyway." and then strips the running back from BC and goes all the way back to That's the best. Them. I mean, like, yeah, was dude, was, dude, dude is a tingle player. He makes you tingle when he plays in places you don't want to talk about. But, um, you know, dude, I mean, wow. he's a legit player. You know, he holds the Miami record for interceptions. I did not know that until I started looking this up. That's and impressive. Not, and had nine picks in 2001. So, I mean, do they win a national championship without Ed Reed? Maybe, but I don't think so. Mm. Um, so, they played Rutgers, 2001. Yeah. Let's move Rutgers. this along before I make a Sean Taylor argument. So number six for Adam <laughs> is Ezekiel Elliott, and number six for Mathis is a good one, Jameis Winston. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I'll go first on this one. One, it hurt Shane to say an Ohio State guy was impactful <laughs> deep in his core. Two. And some of our listeners will be <laughs> – well, I'm not a – the fiancé is an Ohio State person deep down in her core, but we won't get there today. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott on that 2015 team made them go. I mean, remember, they went through three quarterbacks that season. That's a good point. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I think that offensive line is one of the most underrated offensive lines out there. They were monsters. They mushed people. Go back and look at that uh, semifinal game against Alabama where they just dominated up front. They dominated Oregon the next game up front. But Ezekiel Elliott. And his ability to just be consistent and just be four yards, three yards, four yards. Okay, here's 75 right now. Yeah. And just to wear them down, he was so impactful. I do not think they win the 2015 national title without him. And, and the, thing, the thing about Zeke, and, and Zeke, Zeke's big deal for me is the fact of nobody gave them a shot in hell to beat out them. None. Like nobody, Zero. nobody gave them a chance. 
and they come out there, and he's a big part of that. But, I mean, they, they were good in a lot of other places, too. They were crazy fast on defense. I mean, they were amazing, very impactful. Now, I went Jameis, and I'll be honest with you, I really had Jameis higher earlier in the week. When, listen to these numbers, 4,000 passing yards in 2013, 3,900 in 2014. That, I mean, dude is passing for over a mile. Like, I mean, it's, it's absolutely yeah. amazing. You know, it's crazy just – and he and really, he makes Jimbo Fisher. Like, tell me that Jimbo Fisher's at Texas A&M right now if Jameis Winston's not the quarterback on that team. Um, I can't. There's no argument. Great there. point. And, and I think really when you look at it, like, he brings FSU and makes them back into a national power. EJ Manuel had been good, but they had been middle of the road. And suddenly now they're national champions. And, you know, in that in the Auburn game, again, national championship, they were down. And he really brought them back. So, I mean, you know, I feel like Jameis, for all his faults, and God knows there's a ton of them, he was a he was a prototypical guy as far as he was a new type of prototype for that big, strong guy that we see that can still stand back there and wing it when it become cool to run really an option look and to have more of a – and have, you know, smaller, quicker guys at quarterback. Well, I hope he, he gets the right – the NFL. perfect fit at the perfect time for the perfect coach. Absolutely. Because Jimbo's such a – Pro style drop back guy. It's the perfect timing for that dude to show up. Because if you think about it, a lot of those dudes like Dalvin Cook and uh, Kelvin Benjamin, they were there with EJ Manuel the year before, mm-hmm. and they were you know a good team, but not an elite team like him. So I like that pick. I don't know if I would put him necessarily in my top ten all time, but I like that pick. Well, let's get the top fives now. So Adam here is completely brainwashed by Ohio State, and he went Maurice Claret. I will not be. He went Maurice Claret. <laughs> Oh my God! Are you serious? Get ass. Mathis, Mathis went what he thought was this year's most valuable player. He went Joe Burrow. Oh, I like Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> all right, tell, t- all right. Come on, man. Tell me about how the NCAA screwed Maurice Correct. I have nothing to do about that. I'm, we're talking about impactful players to a season. Does Ohio State that stink doo doo 2002 Ohio State team win a national title without him? No, I'll they, give you that. They don't even sniff one. Craig freaking Krenzel, okay? <laughs> that was the thing that happened. He was a starting college national championship winning quarterback. We all saw it. We all allowed it to happen. Yeah, well, we also have a sweet, you know, flag going up in the air that made that happen. You know, I mean. Yeah, that's no, good. that's totally wrong. And that's, look, <laughs> no one denies they got screwed. I would but, say he. I would say that referee is the most impactful player of that season. We should put him at, at least three. <laughs> you know, and I know you're going to give me prisoner of the moment here about Joe Burrow, but realistically, I mean, they're talking about this LSU team is one of the best of all time. He made it go. I yes. mean, you know, when, when you think about, right. I mean, he had 393 yards against Alabama, and he goes for six touchdowns against. I mean, it's it's great in the playoff. I mean, dude takes LSU's offense, which all credit to Brady, all credit to him as OC because he made them into a team. I'm not sure they're going to be that next year, but because Joe Burrow's gone too, there's another reason for that. But I think look at it, the swagger, the way they embraced him. Like, I mean, the damn X on the back of his jersey, like when they went to that, I mean, that the dude that looks cool. like home alone and he's now speaking French down in the French, down in uh, New Orleans. So, I mean, I think you got to look at him as being the most impactful player of that team, most valuable to that team. I might say, you know, and even though he didn't make my list, now I really regret him not being here. He might be the most impactful, would y'all say, maybe of the last three or four years, excluding maybe Deshaun. 
Yeah, I would say he and Deshaun would probably be the two most impactful dudes in the last even five, six years. And I would say because I would say Burrow carried more swag with him. The only difference is Deshaun was at Clemson all four years, whereas Burrow transferred in. You know, I think that's kind of and and also I'm saying say impactful, but the transfer, like you talk about a guy who like wasn't there the whole time. He didn't breed that culture, but changed the culture when he got there. So yeah, he's a different interesting, interesting point. So let's look at our fours as we're talking about culture changers now here. So oh, I love that I did this at four. This is really just a troll, Burnett. Adam went Terrence Cody. Terrence Mount oh, Cody. God. Mount from freaking Cody. <laughs> Roll Tide. And Mathis went Reggie Bush. Oh. Dude, I can't believe you went. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Terrence Cody to rip the helmet off and throw it down after the block extra point? Against block Tennessee. Field? That is correct, sir. <laughs> yeah. Almost cost you a national title because you want to because you want to be an idiot. Yeah, go can ahead. I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question, sir? Did it cost them the national title? <laughs> it, it did not. You're absolutely right. not. First of all, first and foremost, as I make this argument, trees died. Cam lied. Roll tide. <laughs> the second thing that I want to say is that Terrence Cody, with his shirt off, is one of the worst things I've ever. The two worst dudes I've ever seen with their shirt off on television are both Bama guys. It's him and Andre Smith from Alabama running that 40 at the combine before he got drafted. You it looked like he had phlebitis. Like, it was, like, all just, like, flopping around. Well, it looked like he was made up of spare parts of other people that they just sewed together hastily. Yeah. Remember that hard knocks where he showed up at the Bengals camp and couldn't do the ropes because he was so out of shape? Oh, terrible. (laughs) Terrible. But back to why Mount Cody. One – that 2009 season, he was a dominant defensive tackle. And this was not, you know, this was Urban Myers kind of the only dude spreading it out, moving it at all anyway. Dan Mullen's just gotten to, you know, Mississippi State. So it's still a pretty much like we're 12 personnel, we're 21 personnel, we're shifting, we're running it every down. And he was so dominant in the middle of that defense. But that one play he made in 2009 blocking that field goal against Tennessee, that kickstarts Bama's dynasty. And without that – they are not this decade-lasting dynasty that they are today. I, I, there's a lot. Of, I mean, you can make that argument, and I have a hard time refuting it because Dude was a player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he was an idiot, and he did, and he never panned out when, at the next level. But he was absolutely a player. No, because he was 400 pounds, and he was sweating Crisco yeah. every other minute. Like. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and you can't you can't give somebody like that that kind of money and say don't eat. Like, it doesn't work. But I will say this before we transition to you. I debated putting Reggie Bush in this spot. Oh, wow. He was the he was literally the person I thought about because we have that hive mind like twins do. <laughs> he was the person I thought about putting here. Listen, man, you shave your head. We might be talking about twins for real, man. Like seriously. Nah, I got a lumpy head and I think there's some moles on there. I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's a short drive from Andrews to Bono. We could be related. We could be. But um I picked Reggie Bush here because the most electrifying player of that era. Like Remember in the NCAA, in the football 2000, I believe 2007 or 2006, excuse me, you couldn't pick USC. Like, you you would not be allowed to play with them because they were that dominant, and he was what made them go. Because he did all-purpose yards, 2,600. I mean, dude is an insane, insane athlete. And, yes, he was getting paid well into his career, you know, which by the way, got a car. Like, if you're going to go for a car, don't pick the El Camino. Like, you know, pick a better vehicle than that. Um, wins a national title, wins a Heisman. And yes, he won a Heisman. If you want to go get it from him, he still won the damn Heisman. Like, the dude, 
getting paid didn't make him any less of a big time, any less of a great player. Um, and he was when I think of USC football at that during that dynasty, I think of Reggie Bush, and that to me makes him a valuable player. Um, for all the other reasons I said too, also dated a Kardashian. I mean, I'm just flat jealous. So, all right, well, for time's sake, everyone else on that roster. That is my rebuttal. <laughs> Literally every human being on that roster. So, Mathis, your number three <clears throat> finds its way into Adam's top two. So we'll talk about Adam's number three, which Mathis surprisingly didn't have, and that was Vince Young. Dude, before you get started, because I'm going to let you go ahead and run on this, is one of my favorite players because I called that national championship, and it's one of the proudest moments of my life because I was convinced they'd played a tougher schedule. I don't go Vince Young because I think that defense was that dominant that season. And he was a great player and was it valuable to them, but that that te- that Texas defense with the two safeties in the back with Huff, I mean, ballers, no question. Oh, that, listen, they were yeah. sick, and they actually had some pretty good dudes in the box. If you go back and look it up, I don't know if you remember Larry Johnson, and that was his <laughs> name that played inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a stud. But look at Texas before him with all the great – like, look at Mac Brown before Vince Young gets signed. He's Mr. February. He'll win every recruiting battle, but he don't win the big game on the field. Legit. He's got tons of NFL talent but he can't do anything with it. Vince Young comes in the picture. His last two years at Texas, they lose one game in two years, one to Oklahoma, win the Rose Bowl against Michigan in a great Rose Bowl. Cedric Benson, RIP, was running all over him. And then in 05, he dominates everyone on that schedule. People forget that 05 Texas team went up to Columbus and beat Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. You know, came back. On Oklahoma State with that pump fake where he just took – he made the – what's his name? Woods jump up in the air and took it up the sideline. He was the most transcendent player in college football and single-handedly willed his team – well, I, I take that back because I do agree about the defense, but he willed his team to victory on the biggest stage. And I don't think there's anyone who would argue in, in 2005 no one was more impactful to their team than Vince Young. And Keith Jackson still calls it the most impressive display of quarterbacking ever done. So that's a great pick. The greatest yeah. – Wait, we might do a greatest announcers of all time list because he should be on it. All right, so Adams number two and Mathis is number three were the same, and they were Mike Vick. I mean, I mean, I, I really this pick right here changed the face of being a quarterback. We'd had black quarterbacks before, but he made quarterbacking cool for black kids. I mean, you say, and I, and I think that cultural impact makes him that level play. I mean, overall. And not only that, but just as a player, you know, takes – tell me Virginia Tech is considered a premier program if Michael Vick doesn't go there. There's no way. Great point. No chance. I mean, second best player on Vick's national championship runner-up team, Lamont Peguis. I can't even say this dude's name. That's their that's their running back who ran for 500 yards in, in a season, but they made it to the national title game. I mean, enough said. The dude is just a flat player. And, you know, Dan Reed said the fat – when he's on the field, the fastest man out there and really changed the game as far as Oh, I – you don't have Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, any of those guys right now in the league without him. I don't think half the quarterbacks you see in college football right now you have without him. And I think we can all agree that Ricky Bustle should be tried for crimes against humanity <laughs> for making him run that doo-doo offense in 1999 when you look right down the road and there's Rich Rodriguez with Woody Dantzler doing it with the Pinto version of the Cadillac you got. 
Uh, how about Mathis as number two? Speaking of offenses, Tim Tebow. Mm, yeah, I thought about putting Tebow on there, but I, I don't want to. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we all know. Listen, and, and I'll be honest with you. Tebow can make – he's so sweet. He's like the cane sugar straight out the muck. But dude was a baller. I mean, oh, no doubt. Yeah, say what you want to. I mean, also kept the inmates in the asylum. Like, I yeah. mean, look at that. There's a the Netflix does four different damn documentaries on Aaron Hernandez <laughs> and the nut jobs that played on that Florida team, and he takes them to a national title. I mean, it's he is he is what college football is for lack of a better term. When you think college football, you think Tim Tebow and that abnormally sized jaw. I mean, it just is. If we were going best leaders list, I'd probably put him at number one. Well, speaking but of for best of the list, some reason I didn't want to put him on this list because I just. I don't know. Well, you watched, of course, <laughs> he seven had to touchdowns of Williams Bryce. I probably really stink. Uh, probably the 08 game. I drove down to Gainesville with my friends, but we'll talk about that another. Was time. that the one where they tried the the trick play on the kick return? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, definitely that one. So how about both y'all the same number one? It's the only option. The most valuable college football player since 1998. There's no one else in the discussion. It's Cam Newton. No. This is, it was a moot point when the argument was made. Yeah. He's it. Dude, his draft grade, his draft comments were too good for college football. I mean, dude, I mean, again, his running back on that team, Michael Dyer. Are you serious right now? Like, I mean, two that throws for two thousand, rushes for a thousand. I mean, he's just, sleeping on Litzenkirken. Yeah. He he's a beast. I mean, two the, and now what we think of is what you want in a quarterback to be both powerful as a runner and fast and able to wing it. He puts that all together. I mean, he is there. There, I don't. I would argue maybe the greatest player ever to play college football, depending on how you feel about Bo Jackson. Didn't see Bo in person, but I saw Cam twice, and I know what I saw. <laughs> he played behind some doo-doos on offensive line. All right, his best offensive lineman was a dude named Lee Ziemba from Arkansas, who just looked like the man of the mountain. And his center was like 6'1", like kid named Ryan Pugh. <laughs> All right? No one on his team was more talented than him. He looked like the uncle playing with the kids on Thanksgiving, just mushing faces and trucking people. Yeah. you And no, let's just be honest. Gene Chizik got a huge settlement because Cam Newton played for him. Like, I mean – G, I mean, I, I know Fiddler likes to go like have you know man dreams about Gene Chizik, but Gene Chizik is not even considered in the conversation without Cam Newton. Well, first of all, Gene Chizik, you know, Cam uh, Fiddler is a lobbyist for Gene Chizik. That's the first thing he, he lobbies for him. And let's not forget that Cam Newton single handedly willed Gene Chizik a national title, and t- I think Ted Roof got one in there too. <laughs> well. <laughs> Great job on this list, fellas. Wow. Before we go into our next one, I'm just going to give you an update on the State of the Union. Tonight's designated survivor is Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt. So if anything happens like the Keith or Sutherland show, he will be President Bernhardt. Bernhardt. I love Cypress That sounds great. Bernhardt 2020. Yep. All right. Okay. Um, one of Trump's quotes was here this evening, a very brave man who carries with him the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of all Venezuelans. So we're, ha- we're talking about everything tonight. So we'll check that out after we're, we're done uh, recording this episode. But nothing on Iowa. I know you're shocked. 
guess they're no. dividing up in their gyms to figure out who's voting for who. So they're like, they're everyone to... get back in Bob's van, and we're gonna go down and stand in the squares again. <laughs> Not only that, they got to figure out how to make sure their football team ends up at number fourteen for the fiftieth straight year. And they will start there, and they will finish there because that is the destiny. <laughs> so our next list is greatest top ten greatest human innovations of all time. This list will go. But I'm more excited about this one. I'm so. Oh, I'm way more interested in this. This is real. We, the first one was just a warm up, really. <laughs> this is where everyone that listens to this is really going to experience the brilliance of these two Southern gentlemen, with lack of a better term. But here are some notable omissions from their list. One is the light bulb. Oh, that, really? yeah. the light bulb wasn't on either list. We got fire. We're fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> the airplane. I mean, we had boats. <laughs> <laughs> the clock. Time the, is a human construct, like race. Dude, you literally <laughs> took the words on my turn my mouth. Time is all. Time is completely made up. How about the compass? Ooh, yeah. Wind will take you there eventually. Currents. <laughs> it's all good. Columbus Barf proved star. it really didn't matter. <laughs> so did so did Bartholomew Diaz. He's just ambling around the coast of Africa. Happened to catch the right wind and boom, made it to the tip. Wow, that was just a display of nerd bravado. I'm just oh, funny man, talk. I like, I like the stun on him with that DS. How about paper currency? Gold was fine. Yeah, so is your shells. Shave <laughs> off gold. Not a, a made up deal. construct. What about bitcoins? I mean, come on. How about horse domestication? Reindeers oh. were fun. <laughs> Hold on. Is anyone's life really better? <laughs> Truly better? Because we have domesticated cats. Florida State football. It's better because of horses. I just talk about cats. Oh, no, no. No one's life is better because of cats. Dogs? Exactly. Absolutely. Everyone's life is better because of dogs. No one. Dude, let's not get there. <laughs> That's going to start us down a whole other thing. $500. And the la- <laughs> we'll, we'll have a dog talk one day the last thing would be my number one it's binary code funny you say that i'm gonna bring that into one of mine oh okay. good because I, I like women so that's <laughs> all right so let's get into the list top 10 greatest human innovations of all time adams number 10 and 9 will be brought up later in mathis's list so we're going to we're going to pause on Adam real quick, and we're going to start with Mathis. Number 10, birth control. All right, birth control pill. I, and I said specifically the pill because I can draw you a line that where you start with the birth control pill can lead us to Hillary Clinton being a candidate. And my thing is is that it leads women's, women's rights into basically a whole new stratosphere because they now control – their ability to have children and still even become a, from a sexual idea, controlling their own sexuality more so than they ever could before. And they got to make the choice. So when you look at the idea of, you know, it comes around 1960 population control and freaking to tell you that birth control actually leads to a lower crime rate because those children who were not wounded are no longer there. And they we're still having kids, but it, parents are in a better financial position i just feel like that that really pushes us to where we are now i don't think you could ever have a woman president if we didn't have it. okay yeah um 
family planning is the mark of development in any society throughout the modern era. I mean, it's true. You, you see once family planning starts, that's a sign that your society is developing. It's economically stabilizing. Uh, women's rights are improving. I mean, all of those things go hand in hand with birth control. Okay. Well, let's look at his number nine while we're on that talking about uh, developing societies and, and innovations from that. Mathis's number nine is psychiatry. All right. Hear me out here. And I know that Tom Cruise will say it doesn't exist. But I was about to say, as a practicing Scientologist, I refuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord, all hail Lord Zenu. So, like, I'm LRH, baby. <laughs> Tell me another being on this planet that considers where they come from is that is self aware. You know, I think when you think the idea, of, and now that studies that, studies that self awareness. And psychiatry, you know, it's not just about, we have evolved past point of just thinking about you know finding food and procreating we've now moved forward to think about things such as why do we get addicted to things why can't people not have certain behaviors which leads directly into the idea of how do we change those behaviors and so freud comes about 1896 with his ideas of repression then the ideas of the id come and our personality i think you know I don't know that cavemen thought about these things, so I do think it's an innovation, even though you can argue that it's really just a, an ideological idea. But I do think that it is a important innovation for us as a society to think about how we think and how our brain works. All right. And wasn't that a Liam Neeson movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. All right. Both of y'all had different number eights, so we'll, we'll we'll move on to that next. Mathis had cellular cellular technology, and Adam had the assembly line. You go, all you man. All right, we don't have the modern age without the innovation of the assembly line. Don't get me wrong. Is Henry Ford a monumental piece of crap as a human being? <laughs> no doubt, and we'll get into him later. All right, in future episodes, why he's such a bad person, but. The innovation of the assembly line changes the way that we produce goods. It changes the way that we hire employees. It changes the way we teach our kids. Like school is still kind of based on this assembly line model. You are at one place. You have a task. The bell rings. You move to your next task. The bell rings. Next task. Oh, here's lunch. And it gets you used to working in an eight-hour day at different tasks at different stations. Wow. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, modern, even, like I said, even modern education is built on an assembly line model for a good reason. It's a great way to get a lot of things out and get them, you know, efficiently in a short amount of time. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right. That the idea there, if you can separate the idea from the man, what I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, I 100% agree as far as that idea of it being an important thing. And again, it's one of those situations where it's not like an, it's an innovation in an idea, not an innovation product yeah I mean, um i picked cell phones because 90 not here's a stat for you 94 percent of americans own one that's more than own televisions i mean that wow. it really, it's it's unreal how much how the cell phone has changed our world in such a short amount of time because, oh, i'm so horribly addicted to mine i yeah, acknowledge it i'm I mean, on it right now that's it we're recording on one <coughs> second um, and not only that, cell phones went from being something you talked on to what do you you don't really talk on them now. You type on them. So now we've almost got a weird retro thing where we're going back 
to a word processor idea with way more tech, with way more computing ability. So I really feel like, get this, here's another stat for you. We check them 150 times a day and 6 million texts are sent a day. I do that by noon. So, I mean, it, for real, it, I mean, it's cellular technology has changed our whole world and it will continue to change as we move into 5G. Guys, we send 30 texts to each other before 10 every day. Yeah, absolutely. It's mostly, hey, Shane, it's your turn in the game. It's <laughs> really most, it's actually still your turn right now. <laughs> we'll get into that later. That's, that's how we'll end every episode. So, Adam's number 10 is the same as Mathis's number seven, and that is the printing press. Printing press. Love Gutenberg. it. Tell them about it, boy. Dude, printing press. I was describing the other day, like, I want you to just look at any textbook you ever had growing up and imagine transcribing that thing with pictures by hand. <laughs> by the time you finish that, you'd be like, you can take this piece of crap. I don't even care if you get any more. But the printing press allows for ideas to travel throughout the really the European world. And it really the biggest thing the printing press leads to is the printing of vernacular Bibles in the language that people spoke, German, French, English. So it gets people reading for the first time. It gets people thinking about the Bible. Huh, it looks like the Bible doesn't say a lot of the things the church says in there. And it leads to guys like Martin Luther or John Calvin going, hey, I have radical new ideas about the church or about God or about the universe. So that's why I put it at number 10. Well, I put it at seven because information is what we are living in today. It's all about information. Everything we do now is about information. Information doesn't get pushed forward without the ability to read. And the ability to read doesn't happen without the printing press. Because you're talking about in the Middle Ages, 80% of the world could not spell their name. And by 1800, 62% of people could read. Because books become widely available and because newspapers become widely available. The first, you know, I mean, we don't have Donald Trump and fake news without printing presses. So, I mean, it's you can trace that line. And I would contend you don't have the Internet without press. It is the four is the forebear of every single informational system we have. Oh, I got my father of the Internet. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Adam's number nine and Mathis's number six were not stated exactly the same, but they're the same thing. Adam's number nine is atomic energy. Mathis's is the nuclear bomb. That's his number six. Hey, I figured he would say boom machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, and I like to pronounce it nuclear because that's my the words of my people. Well, first of all, my president pronounced it nuclear. <laughs> When he was around dodging shoes and winking at people and giving people nicknames. Also, congrats to the state of Kansas for winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, congrats, no Kansas. I didn't even know that you owned Missouri again. <laughs> hey, rem- remember when we had presidents who just thought like, "Hey, we just let- they're just pretending to have the job while the guys behind the mirror were doing it." Instead, now we just have blatant idiots doing it. So I'm so disappointed in the lizard people that actually run this government that they've allowed this to happen. I can't even begin to describe it to you. Yeah, and no doubt. Uh, I picked nuclear. I, I, I said the bomb was a bigger innovation for the simple fact of we have no more world wars because of it. I don't we don't have the idea. Of, I think, you know, Charlie Wilson's war, they say, you know, our job is to keep the war small. The nuclear bomb, because now it becomes impossible for countries. They know Russia and America know 
that if we bomb each other, it's over. That's the end of the planet, and cockroaches reign supreme. That's why I put it on my list. Yeah, which, which you could you could argue that would be a better form of government. I mean, yeah. I for one welcome the roach and Twinkie overlords. They're the only two things that survive a nuclear fallout. Well, my apartment from Columbia, there's plenty of them that could run the country. But there's plenty of them in Columbia at all times, in every house, no matter how nice. Well, answer this question. Do you think there's a land war? But is there a hot war between Russia and America at the, at the nuclear bomb? If there is no atomic weapon, yes, I think there is inevitably a hot war between the two countries. Agree. Yeah, yeah I, and I mean, look at this. Like you said, it's the first time that mankind has the ability to go, oh, my God, we can kill ourselves. <laughs> and I mean, they never have that before and after. But also just atomic energy in general. I mean, it's a great form of energy. And the Atoms for Peace program that Eisenhower starts gives a lot of atomic energy to nations all over the world and it kind of changes the scope of how we use energy but also how we use technology for diplomacy yeah absolutely and you, i mean i think i think french is like french good lord i think france is like 90 percent nuclear at this point yes i mean and, and, and i think that's where we're going forward i know people in, in colombia think that nuclear is dumb because you know people can't count but realistically with the energy needs you're gonna have in the coming century you know, India and China are not going to be okay being third world countries. They're not okay with that. Like they're not. They're not going to be. Okay. They're going to need power, and nuclear is the way to get there. So I, I think it's a great. I think you're really, right. you have two options. You either, you know, use nuclear and alternative forms of energy, or you start giving out vasectomies by government order. But there's no in between there. I mean, <laughs> if somebody would touch it, I'd think about it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, yes. I mean, all right. So Adam, your number seven comes up later in Mathis's list. So we'll we'll just pause on that. Well, let's talk about your number six, the cotton gin. Mm. Oh, the cotton gin is the most evil thing God. ever made. That is so like plantation owner of you right there. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. The colonel. The colonel. The colonel <laughs> strikes. The cotton gin is so impactful because it really kicks slavery up full gear. <laughs> slavery was kind of phasing out it was starting to kind of taper off it's not financially you know as feasible and then old eli whitney coming down to nathaniel green's farm decides he's like i know what i can do i can make it the, the seeds pick themselves and instead of going hey this is great let's not get you know let's not make this any more intense now it's like oh my god we must expand slave power forever and it leads to the american civil war and it leads to the multitude of problems we have in our country right Hold now. Hold on. There's no way that slavery is what the Civil War is about. We've talked about this. It's about states' rights, young man. You it's know, this, this is the only place in the world where a losing country, a losing side, traitors are celebrated like heroes. <laughs> uh, we're cutting uh, up, the we're sound cutting you hear in the background is, my, is one of my ancestors like cutting me out of a will. <laughs> That's what you hear. Um, just so we're clear, I had a uh, li- um, a call from a potential listener. He lives in the upstate. We all know him, Che Guevara himself. Yes. He also said the cotton gin was the number one invention, human innovation of all time. He said that? Yeah. Well, now I feel like it was a stupid choice and I should take it <laughs> off my list. You want to redo your list? I really want to redo a lot of things about my life right now. <laughs> oh, Nicholas Smith. So... Oh. Number five, we're different on both accounts. Mathis chose vaccines for number five, and Adam went with the loom. You want to hear? 
going ahead. <laughs> the loom, really, man. You want to? Oh, y'all are gonna be so bummed when I stun on you in a minute. <laughs> all about hey, <laughs> the loom leads to one of the worst scenes of a movie of all time: the loom of fate in Wanted. If anybody remembers that movie, you know, because yeah. you gotta blend, you want to bend those bullets. You want to make what? sure believability. What right are you there. watching? Yeah, what, are you <laughs> what is watching? <laughs> All right, I picked vaccines because Jenny McCarthy would hate it. Um, That's a great I, reason to do anything. There you go. Also, in honor of Black History Month, created by a slave. Like, vaccines started actually in Africa. A slave named Onesimus, I think that's how you say it, From Bo- was the slave of a Boston preacher. And in his country, in Nigeria, they had been using vaccine inoculations since basically the beginning of time to stave off basically smallpox. But keep in mind, 20,000 cases of polio every single year before the vaccine is created. You're talking about people can't walk. I mean, that's I think we don't nowadays we don't we get pandemics. We have some of them. But the constant fear that your child won't have the ability to walk doesn't exist anymore because we have vaccines. And so I think we have to keep the idea of. You know, and not that vaccines are so prevalent, we forget how important they are. And now we have anti-vaccine. That's how good those things are at their job, that people now fight against them because they forget the horror that came before it. You know, I think and it, it just I, I couldn't go against I couldn't go away from it. Um, I think five may actually be too low because I think we might be dead without them. But I think it was no like, doubt. No doubt. Yeah. 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 And now that think about this. Kids don't get chicken pox anymore, and that's freaking unfair because I had to scar on my butt from scratching it over and over again when my mama told me not to, and that damn calamine lotion, so I turned even more pink than I currently am, you know, but now we have a vaccine for it. So I mean, You know, Burnett's point makes me want to chunk my number seven because my number five is tied to my number seven, Fiddler. Uh-huh. You want me to hold because, your number five? Uh-huh. Want me to hold on to your number five? Hold on to my number five because I'm going to boot my number seven because I actually agree with vaccines on this one. <laughs> because I started thinking about the smallpox vaccine. And that alone has changed human history. Well, let's get a flu vaccine first before we continue with that. So your number seven. <laughs> How you feeling, by the way? With Mathis's number four, and that was internet. So now oh, hold on. I... I'm not ditching my number five. I want to come back to my number five. Well, we're I'm coming just back saying to it I. Now. Because we're going to talk about his internet and you're the loom all in one. Let's go. Oh, go ahead. Tell me about the loom. All right, you cretins. (laughs) Okay. First of all, the loom is the source of the Industrial Revolution, which is the source of all modern machinery. So that's number one. All right. Number two, binary code is basically created in the loom. They would basically program... That's from in- fucking Wanted! <laughs> no! No first, one has seen this terrible all, movie. First no all, one has seen that sink out. movie. Two, not supposed to curse. Adam watches a lot of America, the story of us. The loom, yes. The, I've seen, at this point, I could just stand up in front of kids and recite America, the story of us. <laughs> verbatim. That is the beginning of binary code, which is the beginning of all computers. You will not argue that the loom is not incredibly important. Oh my God, God! You know what? You just hold watched... on, hold on. Let me be you. It's from Wanted. Catch a movie that only I saw. <laughs> Look here, man. Just because you love sheep in a, in a non-Christian way does not mean it' okay for you to talk about the loom like this. Oh, I don't. I'm more concerned about this movie Wanted. 
I'll, I'll look it up. Y'all talk about the internet. I'll, I'll tell you about yeah, tell, tell me how the loom doesn't lead to the internet, but go on. Okay. Uh, I'm looking I'm, up your crap movie, too. <laughs> oh, okay, are we at the end? I'm talking about the internet here? Yeah. Um, my number four is the internet. First of all, if you're not, there's no need to espouse how important it is. We're faced with it every day. The fact that my phone has the internet on it. I mean, if you're not, you know, let's see, 4 billion users worldwide. 4 billion with a B. As, you know, I mean, That's two, how to spell. 2.3 billion in Asia. And then here's one, 522 million in Africa. They don't have electricity in places that they have the internet. How is that possible? I mean, there must be gerbils running on wheels somewhere in Nigeria that I'm unaware of. Right. But, great point. Uh, no, no question. But the idea of a free exchange of and, and that listen, we've also found out how many idiots there are among us with the internet too. Because all you gotta do is troll Facebook one time, and you'll see people throwing out facts that just don't make any sense at all. And like Wanted's a good movie. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, we're going to do a whole episode about the movie Wanted because I got a lot of feelings about it now that I remember what it is. <laughs> Dude, McAvoy is a genius. He's Professor X. Get your Marvel game up. Don't act like that. Um, first of all, getting rid of Facebook feels like escaping from a cult. You just like have reinvented your life and you realize how much happier you really are. Here's one for you. No Internet, no Donald Trump. Oh, no doubt. That's, I mean, that's that's reality. Without Twitter and the ability to communicate with millions of people through that website, he's not our president. And that changes everything for the, hey, for the last Let's think about years. this. No internet, no simulation we've all been living in since 2012 where it made Donald Trump the president. <laughs> There's another one for <laughs> think you. Think about that one. No internet, no Perlo podcast. No Perlo podcast. Absolutely true, which means for the four people listening, you would not have this kind of pleasure. All right, so let's look at the movie Wanted real quick. It's got a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Refuse. Refuse to acknowledge it. on IMDb. It's got Morgan Freeman in it, so it might be okay. Most importantly, it was nominated for the MTV Movie Award for Best Draw, Jaw-Dropping Moment. So, on the gambles number four, Gunpowder. Mm, that's a good pick. A- as a, as a you know, Second Amendment you know, fighter, I agree. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> What are you pro or anti? Listen, man, I am pro the idea of you don't make things illegal because people do bad things with them. It's my same argument for why the drug war is stupid. But oh, here, my whole got, Second Amendment argument is like, look, if you're going to be letter of the law with the Second Amendment, I have a right to, you know, like a drone and a briefcase nuke if I have a right to defend a myself briefcase. against the government. Dude, what kind of people, what kind of like, Things y'all have in Colombia that I'm unaware of that you need a briefcase. Well, first of all, if you saw the police chase that went on outside of my house the other day, you would understand. (laughs) My my fiance uh, showed me our neighborhood Facebook group when I got home and she goes, oh, look, it's our house on the page. And it's just a police car blocking off the street. (laughs) I had SWAT in my neighborhood a month ago, so I feel your pain. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's living in South Carolina. It's like, hey, this is a great street. But this next street, it's like the wire. <laughs> but no, I mean, gun. I feel like I, I hardly have to explain gunpowder. Gunpowder is gunpowder. It's the the weapon that changes it from all fighting is me getting to smell your breath close to you to kill you to now I can stand away and fight you with smaller forces. There's no United States without gunpowder. No, gunpowder rules. Well, I would also say that it also changes fighting from the fact of I don't have to be strong anymore. No, which really, which I'm all about because I'm weak now in my old age. So, like, you know, I mean, I feel like gun gunpowder. Yeah, it's I, I thought about that one myself. Um, 
you know, I saw some some I had beat it out, but you're absolutely right as far as its impact on our world, just from a war perspective and you know, how geopolitically how everything works out together. The point that you made about having to be strong anymore, I was explaining to a, a weightlifting coach the other day how like the sword in Braveheart weighed as much as like a barbell does. It's like a 45 pound sword. You had to be physically a beast Great to kill someone back then. And now you can be like, my name's Melvin, and they gave me the handgun. Like, it doesn't matter how strong you are anymore. Oh. Right, let's look at their number threes here. Adam, Quinine, and Mathis TV. So glad you pronounced Quinine correctly. Dude, Quinine, so, I mean, dude, for South Carolina, that's a great answer. There's no doubt. I mean, it's I mean, absolutely. I mean, no, I'll give you that one. I picked TV because honestly, if you think about in the last hundred years, what has changed politics, sports, entertainment, um, you know, anything you can think of elections. You think think about this. 19. We we have Nixon earlier if we don't have television. He he loses that. He loses because he's ugly. Yeah. And because he sweats. Yes, he, and as, as somebody who flops, I'll never like, win an election on TV. As somebody who flops sweats all the time, I feel his pain. But I mean, he loses because Kennedy's prettier, not because. And, and people forget, you know, Richard Nixon was considered a statesman. Yeah, know, before that happens, and then cable comes about, and suddenly we have entertainment at our fingertips. It also leads to where now we're so bored with reality, we have to watch reality on TV that's not really reality. I mean that that's where we're at with television. Also, a little stat for you: a hundred and nineteen million televisions in homes in America. Like, well, unreal. Number one, that is an impressive statistic. Two, having eaten lunch with you in the past few weeks, you do flop sweat frequently, especially <laughs> when you're eating a large pork-based sandwich. <laughs> and then three, it's comforting to know that others out there flop sweat like I do that'll also never get elected. And then four, the greatest innovation of TV is that boomers no longer had to raise their children. They could just put them in front of a television. My, my, my daughter's watching a television as we speak. I, I, my future children will be. I was raised that way, and I'll be damned if my kids won't be as well. Eat that TV dinner, and I want to make sure you, you know, it, it, you have to get them started on obesity, on obesity early. Oh, this epidemic is not going to die. I have a picture of my sister and I. We're five and four. We have split an entire box of shells and cheese, and we are maybe a foot from the television because that's how we raise children in Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about quinine. Quinine. Without, uh, so quinine allows for you to tolerate the effects, not cure, but tolerate and live through the effects of malaria. And quinine allows for interior exploration of places like South Carolina or Mississippi. But most importantly, it allows for inner exploration of Africa. Africa is not the Africa we know today without quinine. Africa probably exists with long-lasting independent African kingdoms that develop naturally over time because Europeans can never infiltrate farther than the coast, one, because you have solid African kingdoms, and then two, you know, they physically can't. They get malaria and die. Quinine is the thing that allows for this push into the interior of Africa and in the interior of South America and Central America that leads to like the modern day <laughs> like uh, neo-imperialism where they're extracting natural resources, but also classical imperialism. And the scramble for Africa just doesn't happen in the 1870s just because it was time to. It happens because quinine is developed. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt. I mean, you don't have 
you don't get these tropical climates and all the people living there without quinine. So, I mean, no. that's a great answer. No question. Panama Canal. All right. My mom lived there. I learned something today. Yes. All right. Number two on both lists. Okay. They're different. Adam has the wheel. That's boring. Mathis has genetic engineering. Wow. The wheel. I mean, you know, it's way to go with just the standard answer right there. I mean, the, come on, man. I mean, how many spokes does your wheel have on it? <laughs> hey, I almost cussed at you, so I had to rein it in for a second and pause. You gentlemen ever walked anywhere? Don't answer so fast, Mathis. I know you haven't. All right. The wheel is important. I do not have to sit here and argue the wheel at number two. I refuse <laughs> to argue the wheel at number two. Y'all are ba- y'all are hating on a ham sandwich, right? <laughs> a ham sandwich is a classic. No one is debating a ham sandwich, but it does not excite you. Like you're, oh, I, bananas now don't have seeds in them. Ooh. And we put salmon in strawberries. Oh, like, come on now. Oh. Don't be, don't be the hipster. Of human innovation list. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm, you know what? And I hate ham, which just proves why that pick sucks. Um, I'm the guy drinking PBR because it's good. You're the guy drinking PBR because you have a big twirly mustache. Like you, like you live in North. Yeah. Where, where, like you live in, you know, fancy Charleston. Yeah, <laughs> kicking people out of their homes so I can live there and gentrifying them. The football. Uh, I exactly. Pick, I pick genetic engineering because we. People don't eat without it. Two million people live today because we have learned how to ha- how to harness the gene. Um, when you think about the idea, like uh, in India, the invention of dwarf wheat through genetic engineering allows those people to live. We now know how to, you know, isolate muscular dystrophy genes. We insulin is created from gene therapy. We're going to be able to stop disease because we're able to find the gene that causes it. Um, and as any football coach will tell you, you can't beat genetics. And so genetic engineering to me is the wave of the future. And as we have unlocked the human genome, we're going to find out more and more about it. I like that you also worked your belief that talent trumps all into this conversation about <laughs> Norman Borlaug's the- Green Revolution. <laughs> all right, let's I'm just so glad you researched Norman Borlaug. One, number ones, two different answers. You can obviously tell where the colonel was born and the, and the doctor's physical stature by these answers. Okay. Let the doc, please let the doctor go first. So the doctor, Mathis, his number one is air conditioning. Oh, you fat sack of crap. <laughs> of course you went with that. Dude, you're not where you're, first of all, you're not where you are right now without the invention of air conditioning. We should all get down and kiss the shoes of Willis Carrier. I mean, you're talking about. I, South, I, you know what? I wish I could. <laughs> South, <laughs> South Carolina has a 460 percent growth rate from 1950 to 1980 because we have air Nobody lives here. Atlanta, Miami, New Orleans, those places grow because they're able to sustain with the heat. Now you don't have that with before we have. It. So, I mean, it, first of all, you're sitting in air conditioning now in February. So don't act because I know right now it's 80 degrees in Columbia. I live in a city that our like city phrase is famously hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A ditch next to a river. The armpit of South Carolina of Columbia. I refuse to take that as long as Sumter and Orangeburg is this, sir. <laughs> What's yours? 
seed-based agriculture. <laughs> Are you serious? This, the whole list you did, I was so impressed because it was actual human innovation. Then question one was, what does Mathis like the most? What's important to Mathis today? Seed-based agriculture, you putts. <laughs> there is no civilization without it. We're a bunch of caveman porking in the woods, killing deer with a stick. And why do you seed-based agriculture? First of all, why would you eat vegetables? First of all, I'm angry at your pick. I prefer we didn't eat them at all. I'm going no, through carnivore. No, fat boy. We used the <laughs> we used the vegetables to feed the animals that you and I eat to get the size that I am, so that I can look like a bunch of ovals yeah. that found a man costume. Yeah, I like how you call me how you call me fat. We're literally like a pork sandwich away from being the same. <laughs> oh no, I like that. I just look like a shrunken version of you. <laughs> I just look like a version of like I just look like a, like a you know like the evolution of man chart. I'm just like two steps back before you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, but yeah, exactly, because you do have more hair all over your face. So all over my body, which, again, is another reason why I would kiss the, the air conditioning guy's feet, <laughs> because I have constant sweater on. Yeah, <laughs> rolling with a Yeti, man, I get it. Shane, back me up. Seed-based agriculture? No, binary code is my number one, so. Binary code, well, we didn't ask for your number one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's recap real quick. Great job with these lists. We're yeah, this is fun. List. Number 10 was printing press, 9 atomic energy, 8 assembly line, 7 internet, 6 cotton gin, 5 the loom, 4 gunpowder, 3 quinine, 2 the wheel, and number 1 seed-based agriculture. Mathis is number 10 was birth control, 9 psychiatry, 8 cellular technology, 7 printing press, 6 nuclear bomb, 5 vaccines, 4 internet, 3 television, 2 genetic engineering, and 1 air conditioning. And Adam added a amendment, and he wanted to add vaccines and eliminate internet. Correct? Because the loom is the internet. <laughs> that is cor- that is yeah, correct. Every sheep I know is like pissed off right now. It's like we should have just shut up, and we wouldn't have to worry about this. <laughs> and binary code being the most notable omission. Let's do a quick wrap up of our. Uh, mo- the loom is binary code, <laughs> as evidenced by the movie. <laughs> Wanted. See it in yeah. theaters in 2008. Let's take a quick wrap-up of our most valuable college football players list that we had today. Mathis's number 10 was the honey bat, Tyran Matthew. Nine, Christian Wilkins. Eight, Joe Thomas. Seven, Ed Reed. Six, Jameis Winston. Five, Joe Burrow. Four was Reggie Bush. Three, Michael Vick. Two, Tim Tebow. And one was Cam Newton. Adam went with number 10, Marcus Lattimore. Nine, Peter Warwick. Eight, Deshaun Watson. Seven, Domicong Sue. Six, Ezekiel Elliott. Five, Maurice Claret. Four, Terrence Cody. Three, Vince Young. Two, Mike Vick. Also, he went with number one, Cam Newton. Obvious number one answer. With the most notable omission being Matt McGloin. So I hate you so much. <laughs> that's such a terrible pick. It's so bad. <laughs> Just think, they're the they're the only college football program to positively come out of a death penalty type scenario. I'm so glad Great that I children. know Mathis that he can just crush you with logic because if I had just knew you alone and you said something insane like that to me, I don't think we would be talking on the phone right now. Why did you have the death penalty there, Shane? Because you raped children. I mean, come on. I did not do anything. So We identify you with the school. You are the school. So, we are Penn State and you are a child rapist. Bronny James tips off soon, so we need to hurry up and finish. So, Oh, my Lord. <laughs> 
I just saw it at ESPN Alert. I'm not watching that. I'm going to bed. I got work. So yeah, I got to get up at five and drive to the. Yeah, and my wife is hit with time to be done. Uh, yeah, we'll be done when we're done. So, <laughs> just so our listeners know, these conversations happen in text messages with us all the time. Sometimes I just bow out because it's way too nerd for me. So we wanted to express this in a podcast, which is why we are doing this for you, the listener. In addition to that, we play a game on our phones. As we talked about, cellular technology and internet being important human innovations, we play a game called Warzone. It's a digital version of Risk. And uh, Yeah, we're the nerds, though. <laughs> you play this with us, but we're the dorks. <laughs> Math has introduced this game to Adam and I, and we play it with him all the time. Apparently, it's my turn to go. I probably could have done that on my iPad while we were sitting here and, and um, caught up. But I did not. Uh, we would like you to play with us. If you play this game, that already, sounds so dirty. If you want to challenge us to a game, we didn't risk, agree to this ahead of time. Just so you <laughs> Email us at perlopodcast at gmail.com. Mathis will gladly invite you to one of our games. And uh, starting next week, we will give you an update, or excuse me, not next week, because we're going to do this bi weekly to start. In two weeks, we'll give you an update on what our total score is. Who's won the most? I'm sure I'll be in first by then. So that's what you'll be able to hear. You're never in first. You literally, in most of our time doing this, have never been in first. <laughs> Don't forget, Perlo, P-E-R-L-O, not the weird way, P-E-R-L-O. It's spelled a different way, but we're not going to get into that now. P-E-R-L-O podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com email us if you want to play us in warzone email us if you have comments about the show email us if you have ideas for topics we'd love to hear from you we hope that you guys have a great wednesday at work hump day hope all your dreams come true hope oh, we didn't give the update homeboy lives <laughs> we're not gonna do the update this week mathis is it because you're in last place? It's because we need to restart the numbers because we're doing the podcast now. Because you're last. Is that why? <laughs> Do you guys have any parting words before we let go for our listeners and not talk to them for two more? Go ahead, good doctor. I mean, basically, Shane forgot one important thing. Next week, we'll be talking about how to make a million dollars without ever leaving your home. So make sure you tell your friends <laughs> to tune in. <laughs> but this is, a lot, this is a lot of fun. We really appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen. And just remember, Adam's always wrong. I'm always right. Uh, this was great. I will not be insulted by a man that I know is drinking a large Mountain Dew. <laughs> diet. It's diet. And I want everyone to remember that Wanted is a terrible movie. Well, and that's about it. So everyone's homework is to watch Wanted and give it a Don't watch Wanted. Review. I want it to be lower than 71%. See, I have a theory that the two of you have decided that you want to get sponsorships and you're going down the let's get sponsored by Warzone path and that Burnett is trying to get a movie from 2008 to sponsor us. And you're trying to get sponsored by the Louvre. So let's not even go. (laughs) Do you know how important textiles are? That's big money in that, my dude. God. So, again, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Rate us five stars on on Apple Podcasts, and we will see you in two weeks.